Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Good evening and welcome once again to the League One podcast from Look Sports Media. I'm your host, Ollie Nixon, and I'm joined by Sam and Chris for the last League One review show before Christmas. How are we, gents? Good, yeah, thank you. Good. Yeah, very, very happy. I'm not sure about Chris after Saturday. Yeah, Sam did, a, relat- in there early. <laughs> Sam did a relatively better mood than me after constantly saying we were going to beat them and then, yeah. You had, your, you had your chance. Yeah, we we had our chance and didn't take it, much like the first 11 games of a season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like to start with a question to get to know you all a bit better. Um, this week's question is obviously Christmas-themed. Uh, seven days until the big day. How much shopping do you still both have left to do? I've done all mine and it's it's all, it's all wrapped. I wouldn't say it's wrapped very well, but it, it is all wrapped. Wow, wrapped and bought by the 18th of December. You are yeah, shocking. <laughs> Chris, you're de- Chris, you're definitely the opposite. Yeah, pretty much everything. I've done Secret Santa for work. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of weekly pay as opposed to monthly, really. This was also me until this morning. I, all I'd done was Secret Santa, and then I thought, oh, fuck, I better buy or something. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was my, uh, my morning today. <laughs> okay, follow-up follow up question, question. Are either of you still in the Whamageddon game? Nope. No. Nope. Ah, see, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm really pleased to say that I am until one of you starts playing it in a minute. Um, <laughs> I had a, a, weird, a weird moment where someone mentioned it to me on like the 6th of December and I didn't even really know it was a thing and then became aware that I hadn't heard it yet and it's now become quite a big part of my life. If I'm ever in a car, I like play Russian roulette with the radio, like flicking through, trying desperately not to hear it. <laughs> oh, I, uh... yeah, it's, it's... Seems to be played at most football grounds at sort of pre-match now. I'll I'll let everyone in on a little trick we do in pubs because and it, it drives uh, drives me mad. So I don't know why we do it, but jukeboxes have a random filter on, obviously, so they just play songs at random. But the jukebox we have at work allows us to select a genre of music it plays at random, and it only plays that genre. So my bosses at work have decided to put that on just Christmas music and every shift I <laughs> I, I come so stuff. close to just emptying my tip jar out just so I don't have to hear Christmas music anymore. <laughs> it's a really weird thing, right? Because I like my, 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 I mentioned to my wife as well and she said to me the other day, she said, what do you win? And I was like, well, nothing. But for some reason... I'm quite obsessed with how long I can go. Like, I don't, there's no prize whatsoever, but it has taken over my thought process a lot. What one thing I will say is 
you might love this, Ollie, is I keep seeing random tracks being played over different stuff. And the one I keep seeing a lot is someone is playing Limp Biscuit Break Stuff over the lyrics of that over the track from Wham. And I I don't know why it fits. It, <laughs> it fits, and I don't know why it works. Can't 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 imagine George Michael and Fred Durst having too much in common, but <laughs> oh dear. Well, on to the football then. Um, I guess we can only really start with how your two teams got on playing against each other this weekend. Then, um, Sam, I guess I'll come to you first with that one. Yeah, I I, I wasn't actually at the game this week. I was at a, a panto, but I remember listening in the car no, on the you way weren't. back. On no, I was listening to Talksport on the way back, and it was about seventy odd minutes in the game, and I just hear. Uh, Leeds and Orient are currently one 0 down to Cheltenham, and you just sit there thinking, "Well, great work." And then they go, and then they follow that sentence with "against ten men," and you're thinking, "Well, Orient never do anything against ten men; it's just an Orient thing." And then the next thing I know, it's full time. They're going through the results, and it says Leeds and Orient have won at Cheltenham. It's like, "Well, what the hell happened?" Um, and then I watched the highlights. Two of the luckiest goals I think we're ever going to score this season, um, but it's a common theme that we seem to score. I think it's about eight or nine goals we've scored in the 89th minute plus this season. Um, so it's a, it's a good char- characteristic to have, but we were very, very lucky, I think, by all accounts. I didn't think the first yellow card that the Cheltenham player got was a yellow. I think it was just two players going for the ball. Um, and the second one I thought was a yellow, um, but I think he can feel quite hard done by overall. He, he managed to do that in the space of two minutes, I'd like to add. 17th minute yellow card, 18th minute red card. I think that's the positive for Daryl Clark. If it's anything that can sum up Cheltenham, it's at least we're consistent in being awful. <laughs> I think there's some positives for Daryl Clark, though, in terms of you did play quite well. I know we were garbage, but you played 10 with 10 men for 70-odd minutes. Their arsehole didn't cave in. And it took two rebound ricochets to actually lose you the football match in the end. I think with the way the season's been, like the start of the season has been, we have to come out of every game where we score a goal saying, well, at least we did something. (laughs) So I've not been on for a few weeks, but I genuinely thought, Chris, that I was going to come on to this and that you'd be a changed man and that suddenly Daryl Clark made you think that all was rosy and you were going to stay up. No, it, I've, I've actually just had this conversation on a championship podcast about Rotherham looking like an appoint, they've appointed a manager for life in League One. And it, it's similar to our appointment. We look like we've appointed a manager for life in League Two. Do you think, Do you think if you go down, Daryl Clark will stay? I, I think that's what he's been sold on, really. Um my main concern of if we go down is who leaves. The, the primary worry for me leaving would be Luke Southwood. I mean, I think he'll leave either way because I think he only signed a one-year contract with us. So that that was the biggest... I, I was surprised when we signed him because he, he played so well on loan with us and Reading were coming down into League One. I thought, well, Reading are surely going to keep a keeper who's kept 16 clean sheets in the bottom half of League One Surely he's going to stay on the books at Reading to try and help them get back up. But they, I guess it was a financial fade decision more than anything. But he he came to us in the end. I can't even remember who was interested. I think there were, I think of the championship clubs who were interested, they were only offering him backup spots, which as a backup keeper, you're very rarely going to see any playing time now because how many keepers can you see say have been injured recently for an extended period of time i mean the only one i can think of that comes to mind is Neuer, who didn't even injure himself playing football <laughs> I, I i've just i've just looked at your christmas fixtures and i just feel like things have reason to be really positive like i i don't think you could wish for a nicer set of christmas fixtures you go away to carlisle a home against shrewsbury home against Reading and then away to Northampton like that's that's got our points in it Northampton and Reading both teams coming into form though um and Carlisle Shrewsbury seems to always end in a draw we always play Shrewsbury and it always ends in a draw 
well, neither team could score. So, like, <laughs> yeah. So that'll be uh, the first like five all draw of the season. That one. <laughs> Sam, Sam's saying that every week till it actually comes true. One week it will happen, and I'll go. Yes, what, what, I told you so. One week it will happen, and it'll be the week you decided to just give up on predicting it. <laughs> I think it'll be nil nil this week, and it will be five all. Yeah. How about so Sam? Obviously, Orient have been on a bit of a bit of a tough run. Um, mm-hmm. Nice to get two late goals there to get a win. Is that you know bad run over and sort of back to um, at times? I wouldn't. I've always been more performance based than results. Um, I think there's games in our sort of run, like the Barnsley game, the Wigan game, um, Oxford to an extent, where we should have probably got either one or three points. Um, I think the luck. We finally got a little bit of luck in two ricochet goals to get a three points. So I think it all balances itself out over a season. Um, I think where we are in the table is where I expected us to be, really. I don't expect us to be fighting for the playoffs. I don't expect us to be in the relegation battle. Um, if we if the season ended today and we finished 14th, I'd be like, yeah, that's a solid building block. And we have got some players that are definitely not good enough for League One. But that's like most clubs when they rise from a division, they've got contracted players that aren't really good enough. Um, oh, you speak yourself, definitely... <laughs> yeah, except for Stevenage, they're the one exception that seems because everyone's sort of around each other. Um, just, just uh, surrounded by Stevenage fans right now. Where are they all? <laughs> they've they've all come start, out. Start, yeah, start winning some games. You get a Premier League, a win away at a Premier League sign, and suddenly everyone comes out in the woodwork, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I didn't know one Stevenage fan before the start of the season. I know about four now. <laughs> well, speaking of my Stevenage side, um, I guess I should talk about our result from the weekend. Um, pretty disappointing 1-1 draw with Exeter. Um, a game that was absolutely horrendous until the 43rd minute when Jack Aitchison decided to get himself stupidly sent off, getting a second yellow card for descent. Um, he was actually a bit fortunate to be still be on the pitch after 20 minutes when he booted Louis Thompson off the ball um, and somehow was deemed to only be a yellow. Um, that red card seemed to spur Stevenage into life. Um, Carl Piagiani headed home a lovely Dan Sweeney cross. Nice little centre-back combination there uh, in first half stoppage time. Um, and that took us into, into the break ahead. Um, extra introduced Yannick Wiltshire. Um, at the break, and two minutes later, he brought them level, converting the dangerous Dion Rankins low cross at the near post. Um, what followed is what you kind of would expect, I guess, you know, with a team in form versus a team out of form against 10 men. Um, a barrage of steamage attacks. We failed to create a whole lot. Um, Exeter defended really well, particularly Czech Diabate, who won everything in the box. Um, best chances fell to Jordan Roberts, who fired over from eight yards out, and Elliot List, who forced a good save from Sinisolo when put through one-on-one. But Exeter also threatened a fair bit on the break themselves, kind of showed ambitions to kind of try and nick it at two. For all Steamage's efforts, one one was probably about right. Um, I'd say a much-needed point and a first-league goal since October for Exeter. Might have kept Gary Cole well on a job for a few more games. Um, on that note, do we see any managers not making it to Christmas? Bloomfield. Yeah, I'd probably go along with Matt Bloomfield. Yeah, I think the the elephant in the room for him, isn't it? The fact that Ainsworth is sat unemployed um, can't can't help, can it? No, there's always going to be that rumour swinging around. I would have said uh, Crosby at Port Vale, but they've won their last two now. They're two big games they've won, so... League One seems to be a case of managers just leave for a few months and then come back. And it's, it's like a revolving door in the EFL, League One. It's like... I'm too good for League Two, but I'm not good enough for the Championship, so I'll just stay in League One. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's not not similar to the teams, I guess, is it? In that sense, you think how many teams go up and come straight back down? It, you know, it is very much. The, 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 I think most people would accept it's probably the biggest jump up in quality um, in, in amongst the English English leagues, really, isn't it? Yeah, and definitely finances as well. Like the difference in playing budgets at the top of the Championship with all these parachute payments coming down. That- doesn't really add the competitiveness to the league, I suppose. I would I would almost say to Ollie, imagine conceding to this Exeter side, but then remember we're one of the team we're the last team they beat, I believe. So <laughs> I, I, I will actually stay quiet on that one in, instead. Yeah, I mean well, half time I kind of looked at it thinking, well, it's been a, as I say, awful game with just nothing in it. 
Um, we nick to go on. You kind of think at that point, goal up against the side who just don't score and we don't concede really either. And they've got 10 men. This should be pretty comfortable. But yeah, they came, they came out quickly second half, um, scored a nice little goal. Rank, ranking was, was really bright actually on the, on the right for them. Um, caused us quite, quite a few problems. Um, sort of kept running at Dan Butler. Probably needed a bit of work on his delivery in, his, in the final third. But um, yeah, really, really, really good player actually. Was, was, was impressed with him. That was one of the games I looked at the pressure graph after the game and like the pressure graphs, if the bar is longer at the bottom, it means they've got like a more sustained attack and pressure. And the literally Exeter had one pressure bar in the whole game. That was when they scored. Everything else was Stevenage. Yeah, it's weird that like, yeah. so, like it, it didn't it didn't feel that quite that dominant. Obviously, like you like I say, you'd expect them to have nine men behind the ball as mm-hmm. it was. Um, but they kind of just like they played, they played relatively well on the counter. Um, like I say, r- ranking was pacey. Um, and so they knew that if they could clear it out wide with him, they, they were getting in kind of two on two, three on two, cut a couple of overloads where if they had probably a bit more quality in the final third, they might have, might have nicked it two one to be honest. But um, yeah, like I say, for, always frustrating to not convert a one nil lead against 10 men, trying to remind myself that we played 120 minutes and penalties midweek at Port Vale in the cup. So we looked a bit leggy. It has to be one of a. This might be my late 2010s, uh, early 2010s, late 2000s watching Arsenal side speaking. But there has to be a side of you watching that going into half time at nil nil thinking, we're going to lose this somehow. Or is that just my late 2000s Arsenal speaking? Um, I think it's classic pessimism as a football fan, isn't it? You just see a game like that and you think, we're doing nothing to break these down. Oh, they've got ten men, and you know that old old cliche of oh, you know, it's not it's, it's not always easy playing against ten men, and you, yeah, you, you like you always go into that sort of expecting the worst, don't you? I think we're kind of preconditioned to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, it's, it's I think it's, it's when you're flying high, you well, it's a mixture of both. When you're flying high, you don't see it carrying on much longer, sort of thing. Yeah, see, I'm I'm still with with us. I'm kind of still waiting for the time where us being in the top six feels like a real reality, I guess. I think that for me, even now, I'm looking upon it. Like I reminded myself the other day, we've now played 20, we've played every team other than Barnsley. So actually, we are where we are on merit and probably where we deserve to be. But it still feels like you get a result and you think, okay, well, it's nice to still be in that top six. But, you know, it'll be interesting come probably maybe late Jan, February, if we're still in the mix then at that point. That will start to feel like oh shit, we've, we've, we've really dropped two points there. Um, yeah, right now it just kind of still feels a bit like sort of crest of a wave and just in, enjoying getting results. Really, it it was surprising because a game where we got dominated by Bristol Rovers last week, and I came out of that feeling like we lost two points. And when you're looking at a game where you've had one shot on target and it's gone in. And the other team have hit you with about, I think they'd hit us with about 20 shots, had about 70% of the ball. And you're coming out of it feeling like it's two points lost. I don't don't know what side of it it speaks to, really. It speaks to how wasteful a team is in front of a goal, I suppose, more than anything. But Mm. Rovers just didn't look like doing anything against us last week. And like you said about the goals this weekend, it's just a case of bad luck hitting us. And yes. It's never ending, and we'll be in League Two next season. We've most of us have all but accepted it. I mean, there's not much room to improve in January with the budget more than anything. In terms of the squad, there's room to improve most of them. Um, but I think with signing 38 year old Curtis Davis, who hadn't played more than 45 minutes of football in a long time, it was a worrying signing, and it was never going to get us anywhere in League One. Uh, definitely. Looking at the other action across the league, one team for whom a managerial change has worked wonders is Cambridge United under new boss Neil Harris. They fired up last weekend's point at Charlton with a 2-1 win over High Flyers Blackpool. Thoughts on this game, Chris? Yeah, really impressive from uh, Cambridge. Um, certainly needed wins to get them away from that relegation zone. And um, there's not not out of it. I mean, there's about eight points between them and Carlisle, who just signed their new striker as well, uh, starting in January. Um, 
So, goals for Cambridge. As much as Exeter and Port Vale, Cambridge struggled in front of goal more than anyone. But it it's most of them down there struggling for goals. And I think Carlisle will be massively boosted by their new signing as well. But Harris's departure from Gillingham was a shock. So, he's certainly probably better than League 2, really. I know many thought of it as a shock to see him appointed at Cambridge, but bottom half of League 2, I think he's the right appointment to get them out of this situation they're in. Yeah, I think what surprised me here was that actually looking data-wise and kind of watching the highlights on this, it just seemed like a relatively comfortable win for them. You know, they went a goal down early for that Rhodes header um, and obviously Paul Digby got sent off with 10 minutes to play. But actually, data-wise, they seem sort of relatively comfortable and kind of saw it out without much of an issue. I mean, like, Blackpool, Blackpool aren't a side, you know, that many many teams have done that. So, so to, to, to go in and have, have that much impact in your second game for Harris just yeah, it feels, feels like a big scalp. Yeah, and Blackpool will be worried as well. They talk a lot about being worried about the side, uh, about Jordan Roadstain. He scored again for them, uh, putting them in front. But... I think most of the club are confident of him staying. I know Huddersfield are in trouble in the championship, but I think don't think he'll do well in the championship anymore, really. I think he's in his element at Blackpool. He's the type of player that needs like a manager that puts an arm around him sort of thing and goes, you're my main man, and he's trusted to do his job and the job he's done for however many years now it is of scoring goals um, the trouble is with we're... it comes back to aging strikers in the promotion chase I just, I just don't think while he is hitting his stride at Blackpool I don't think that an aging striker is the way to go about getting through the playoffs uh, I, I think the I think there's both arguments there in terms of experience obviously he's had experience of getting out the league previously with Huddersfield um but then I suppose towards the end of the season he might be a bit more leggy than anyone else um I think it's just about having that balanced squad with a younger sort of striker I think they've got Shane Lavery who's relatively young up there as well so it might balance itself out but they could do with someone else actually scoring goals other than just Jordan Rhodes um, yeah, no, yeah, don't, don't, don't disagree with you at all there, really. Um, yeah, just say on the Cambridge note, I think probably a good thing to pick up on is the fact that he seems to have gas and a had made scoring goals, you know, th- three in those two games. I think he's got five in his last five now. Obviously, not all down to Harris, but I think he'll have a big part to play under Harris, um, being that kind of big target man, um, that he, that he kind of likes going through the middle. Okay, well, other notable results. Uh, Peterborough have now won four of their last five and have found their way into the top two in the league. Um, Archie Collins opener opened the tour in after a great hit, after a number of long-range efforts went close. Um, you know, probably should have been more than 1-0 this. Um, Sam, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, Peterborough look an extremely impressive side and well-seasoned League One team, really. They've got exciting talent in attack with Mason Clark, Poku, uh, Ricky J. Jones, that can literally open up any team at ease. Um, the league, league's top scorers, uh, third best defence. Um, it looked a pretty dominant performance other than the, like, the last five minutes where Fleetwood had a couple of chances, which you expect when uh, a team vitally needs a goal. Um, it's not looking good for Fleetwood, really, though. They've lost four in a row um, and they've not scored in six and a half games in all competitions, which is pretty damning for anyone really if you say you don't score in six like six in ten that's pretty damning but just not scored six and a half games in a row in all comps is uh alarming and there's talk that this weekend um there's no jack marriott for them and there's no josh Vela, who's their captain as well so and then in january obviously it's gonna be extremely difficult for lee johnson to recruit because their owner's in jail yeah, it's a two two sides here with massively contrasting situations, isn't there? You know, Fleetwood are in such such bad form, can't score, conceding loads of goals. Um, Peterborough for me, um, having watched them against us when we drew two two, I said after that they were they were up there with Oxford as the best sides I've seen this year. Um, I think if Peterborough can keep hold on it, it is obviously an if. 
I think if the likes of Ronnie Edwards and the likes of um, Mason Clark particularly get kept through January, um, I can see them being one of the, one of the two automatic sides that go up. Yeah, I think what, uh, what the Peter Broner has always been very good at, especially in January, if his team is near the top of the league like they are now, they don't tend to sell their priced assets. I know Johnson Clark Harris will most likely leave in January because of his contract situation, but they don't tend to let their big players go in January. They always do their business in the summer. So I think Peterborough will recruit in January. I think they'll get a striker. Um, They've been linked with um, Ali Alhamdi, haven't they, from Wimbledon, which would be a fantastic yeah. signing. And, and, and so in the Peterborough mould, isn't it? You know, it's just Very. a signing of theirs. Yeah, that's uh, another player they can mould and then potentially sell for six, seven million pounds in three or four years. That is the perfect, if you're like a lower league player, especially an attacking player, because they seem to do the best with attackers, and you want to move, you've got an option of going to, let's say, Peterborough, Portsmouth, Bolton, Derby, you would most likely choose Peterborough as a young up-and-coming attacker just because of their history of developing young forwards like Ivan Tony, Dwight, I know Dwight Gale as well, Dwight Gale as well. So, I mean, staying on the subject of Peterborough slightly, I actually have a question for Ollie. With the way teams like Oxford have slipped up in recent weeks and with the gap now, do you think everyone at Stevenage is sort of eyeing up those automatic spots with being one point behind now? Um, I think there's a slight elephant in the room that there has been for a few weeks now in that we've had, we've been playing, we've, we've, for a while we've had, or teams have had games in hand on us. Um, so yes, we are one point outside the automatics, but both Peterborough and Portsmouth have games in hand on us. Um, so do Oxford, who are level on points of us, below us. Bolton are one point behind and have two games in hand. And then Derby are three points behind and also have two games in hand. So I think that whilst you can look at it and go, excellent, we're fourth and we're only a point off the autos. I think if you then look at the, the, the form those sides are in, I'd be expecting them to probably win games in hand. And we might actually be looking at, once that comes out in the wash, we're actually sat sixth. Um, so um, it's an interesting one. I, I think Oxford in particular, I think they had a, a particularly um, significant style um, under Manning that I think that the transition to moving to Buckingham hasn't been necessarily as smooth as you might like it to be um, but I think they'll come good with the quality that's in their squad um, the side that probably within that sort of top six bracket that I'm kind of most interested by um, is actually Bolton um, I saw a, a, an a expected points table this, this week which was based on so expected points essentially Based based on the XG data in terms of how they whether they should have won games or shouldn't have done, and Bolton are actually um, I think I want to say the team that are have have got the most the biggest gap between the amount of points they've got and their actual expected points. They're outperforming their XG numbers quite significantly. I think it's by eight points. Um, so that just as a standalone kind of figure, and the fact when we played them they weren't fantastic. Looking amongst it, they'd kind of be a side that I'd be looking at, thinking, okay, well maybe they might drop out a little bit. I, I, I don't think that'll be a popular viewpoint. And I'm sure lots of people will think that, you know, with their, with the manager they've got there and, and the squad that they're capable of staying in. Um, along with an answer, um, do I think we can be in the autos? No. Um, yeah, I, I'd be delighted if we could, if we can still be in a battle for top six come March and April. I mean, on the subject of Oxford, it's interesting you say about the quality in their squad, but since Manning left and the transition of, man into Buckingham, a lot of their players who have looked out of sorts, really. I mean, yes, he scored a brace at the weekend, Rodriguez, but before that, he's not even looked a shade of a player he was at Notts County. I mean, he had an absolute nightmare against us and was sent off. Um, he missed an open goal as well, I believe. So he just... I think a lot of those players have been sold on a project that Manning was building. And and now it's sort of feeling like he's abandoned ship and the ship is sinking. Yeah, I think like, I think we've got to allow Buckingham some time to kind of know what he's about, what he's about, haven't we? I think with Manning, everyone kind of knew from his time at MK Dons kind of what he was going to go in and try and do. Um, I don't think we really know yet kind of what Buckingham's sort of stamp is going to be on that side. I probably think the bigger thing for Oxford is about how many of those players potentially does Manning come back in for in January? Mm. You know, does he fancy a does he fancy a Brannigan over at Bristol City? You know, like 
you know, he could easily come in and take a couple of those players to try and bed in that style over there. Yeah, I think yeah, he'll come yeah. from Yeah, he's, he's... Sorry, go on, Sam. Um, he's been touted for championship for a couple of years, Brannigan. Um, I just think he's the type of player that can do a bit of everything and there's not many of them in League One, really. Um, I could see it'd be a... Yeah, it's a good Liam Manning signing to go and do what he wants to do at Bristol City. Someone to set a tempo with how they play. Yeah, Bristol were linked with a similar player in the summer in Max Bird. And uh, it's now Hull who are being linked with him. So I think it, I think Manning is the swaying point for Brannigan to go. And I think, I don't think he'd be the only player he could sway from Oxford either. No, I do expect there to be a couple. That is it. Good, Goodham, the winger. I know he's come through. I think he come through their youth system, but I'm not sure. But I know, I know, Beadle's been in the news today as well. That's the goalkeeper, isn't it, Beadle? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was who was being linked with signings. Uh, Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship for Beadle. Sheffield Wednesday makes sense. Um, an interesting thing, especially at the top, like you've got these big clubs like Derby, Bolton, especially with like the top championship clubs, like people like Hull, who weren't overly touted to be in top six. Do we think people like Dion Charles, uh, Max Bird's been mentioned, them sort of players might jump ship to go to them sort of clubs, chasing a Premier League dream rather than a championship dream, so to speak? Yeah, and I mean... Colby Bishop is another one. Um, I've just said on the championship pod about Ipswich having money to spend in January and having three million. Three million is a lot of money to a champ uh, to a League One club. Mm. So I think if Ipswich came in with a bid of around three million for Colby Bishop, are Portsmouth really in a position to say no, or could they hold on for more? Do you think it's a difficult one? I think Portsmouth. I don't think Portsmouth are a club that. Are- desperate for money so I personally think with what's happened with Portsmouth over the last four or five years being in this position and then just falling away I think the owners need to be bold and go no we are going to keep him and he's going to get us promoted maybe there'll be a clause if Colby Bishop goes to the owners and goes I I want to go maybe they can swing him round by saying well if we don't go up and the offer's there you you can go but there's always that risk with players isn't there he could get a season-ending injury and then not come back the same type of player. It's it is a really difficult one as a as a from a club point of view, you want to keep him. From a player point of view, you're going to want to go and fight for a Premier League position. Yeah. Um I think uh, again going back to Beadle being linked with a move, I think part of his move to uh Oxford would have been seeing what Trafford did last season with Bolton. And hmm. more or less thinking, well, he's done it. Why can't I? You know, Trafford then went and had a brilliant time with the England youth team after that. So I think I think Beadles looked at uh, what Trafford did and figured he could do the same. And he certainly looked, he's not been close to what Trafford's done. But then I think Trafford was far too great last season for anyone to come close to him. Hmm. But he, if anyone would, it would be Beadle. Okay, right, well, gents, we need to probably jump out for a quick ad break. Um, but make sure you join us on the other side because we are going to be doing some first half, first half of the season awards um, for the first time with Look Sports Media. So catch on the other side for those. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. 
it's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the second half of the Look Sports Media League One Review podcast. Now, just before the break, we were talking about those that action from the weekend. Uh, we're now going to jump into something slightly different. And with some teams playing their 23rd game of the season this weekend, we've reached that halfway point in the season. So I wanted your guys' opinion on a few awards for the season so far. Now, we're going to call these the Look Sports Media Hafters, as in BAFTAs and half. Um, thank you very much. I'm sure Ryan and the team can knock up some trophies and all sorts for that. Um, first category I'm going to come to you with is the manager of the seasons so far. So I'd like your nominations, please. And I'm going to start with you, Sam. Um, it's difficult to pick between two. Um, I think they're pretty obvious. So it's Steve Evans. And the other is John Rossigno at Portsmouth. I think they're, they're the standard pick, so to speak. But I just think they're the only two that really jump out for me have gone. Steve Evans has done wonders on the budget. He's got a Stevenage and to have them in fourth place, a point off second place is unbelievable. And then John Massino, you he's lost one game in 21. I think that speaks for itself, really. Okay. You can't, you can't, you, you can't uh, chop the award in half. Where are you going? Uh, we'll go Steve Evans. Okay. We'll interesting. Steve. How about you, Chris? I'm sort of split the same as Sam, but I am going to have to go with Mazzino. I think he's a brilliant manager and he's got a Premier League future ahead of him for me. Yeah, wow. Big future. What what, what have you liked so much about that? Kind of what do you see? Like what, what makes you see that for him? Um, I think he did a brilliant job second half of last season. He didn't have much to work with. He didn't have... I've said it before, he came in late in the transfer window, which, you know, I, I spoke about managers needing time to assess the squad and look at them and be active in the transfer window. And he came in about uh, 11 days before the end of the transfer window. Didn't have much time. You know, you'd probably need about a week to assess players um, as to who you want as part of your squad. Um so, yeah, he, he did brilliantly to recruit there. Um, Deshaun Bernard from United, one of those. He tried to get him permanently in the summer, I think, as well. But I think Bernard went to the championship in the end. I know he wanted the championship. But, um, yeah, with he, with a proper summer to recruit, that's been the key behind it. And getting Colby Bishop firing as well, as Colby Bishop always does, really. Something that I don't know how much this is spoken about with Messina is certainly not something I've seen, but I feel like the atmosphere he creates in changing rooms and kind of he just gets squads very much wanting to play for him. I know he had a role with the PFA um, when he was still playing, where he was kind of letting the go between for players and, and the PFA there. So he feels like someone who, fresh out of the game, kind of knows the challenges that footballers kind of face and seems to create a very kind of hardworking but also enjoyable atmosphere for players. Yeah, and he came. He came from a role at Oxford as well, where he'd sort of he'd seen life in League One for these modern day players, and not only that, but he'd seen it at a club like Oxford, who, other than last season, have always been pushing for promotion. So he knows what's expected of a squad like Portsmouth and um, the pressures they'd be under. So I think that's massive in helping his relationship with his players and creating a positive atmosphere. Yeah, agreed. For me, uh, I've, I've actually gone different to both of you for this one, actually. I, I, I agree that I think Evans is, is an obvious choice um, with what he's doing. Um, but I'm going with Duncan Ferguson um, at Peterborough. I feel like there was a lot of unrest at Posh over the summer. Um, there was talk about players needing to be sold. There was a clear move towards trying to have a bit of a younger squad. Fans seem to have their expectations tempered a little bit. Um, they then had the debacle over Clark Harris was he going, was he staying and eventually staying? Um, they've dealt, he's dealt with it. I've just been super impressed with how they've settled. Um, and I just think the style of play like it, it is very, very impressive. Um, I said earlier, I think if they make it through January without losing Ronnie Edwards or Ephraim Mason Clark, then I think that they're, for me, 
one of the two best sides in the league. I think they'll go up automatically. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that he, that he's done, you know, incredible things to get them in that place, having made the playoffs last season. They've obviously got a very good squad. But I think for me, there was a lot of difficulties in the summer. And it looked early on in the season like there could have been some issues there. Um, and that feels light years away from where they are now. Yeah. Um, any qualms with that one? Darren, not Darren, not Duncan Ferguson. By the way, I was just (laughs) thinking. Did I hear that right? Yes, he said Duncan, and I was sat there thinking, very impressive of Duncan Ferguson. (laughs) I'll have to rewind it. Well, I mean, I'll apologize. I'll apologize to. I don't know. I don't know how I'm more scared of Darren or Duncan Ferguson. And of course, if I did get that wrong, I apologise, Darren, as I'm sure you're definitely listening. Um, the next ca- next category is the team that you think are in the most false position. Now, this can be a team that you think are overachieving and will sink like a stone in the new year, or a side that you expect to make upward moves after perhaps a disappointing start. Um, Sam, you went first last time, so let's go to Chris this time. I think it's a it's a strange question really given the situation two clubs in the EFL 5 have been I think the obvious answer really for false position is Wigan you know but that that's for the point deduction reasons I mean if you it was a 12 point deduction Wigan had wasn't it so I mean you you take that point deduction away from them and they're two points off the playoffs but I think that's a bit too obvious of an answer for me, it's probably Port Vale. Um, they're slipping further and further down the table. They went on that. It's mainly that unbeaten run they went on after getting hammered by Barnsley. But since that unbeaten run ended, they've just done nothing. So I think Port Vale are slowly slipping closer and closer to that relegation fight. Interesting. How about you, Sam? Uh, I'm going to go with Shrewsbury uh, just purely because they've scored 13 goals in 21 games and they've hit a little bit of a purple patch. Um, They obviously lost to Portsmouth 3-0 at the weekend, um, but they've beaten Wickham 1-0. They drew Exeter 0-0, beat Port Vale 2-1. So they had the kindness, so to speak, of the fixtures and they've won the games they needed to win. But I just can't see how a team that scored 13 goals is like 11th in the league and that eventually will catch up with them because you can't win games not scoring. Um, And they're not exactly solid defensively either. Um, They don't create many chances either. Um, So I'll go with Shrewsbury. Yeah, they're they're my pick as well, actually. Um, Same same as echo what you said, really. I just think think that the way they're winning games is just unsustainable. Um, I mentioned that. As I, meant, I mentioned that expected points table, um, which is from a guy called Marco Hare on Twitter, by the way. Um, essentially, like I say, it looks at how many points teams would have if XG was the deciding statistic in a game, which obviously I know is, you know, it's, it's got its detractors, um, but it gives us an indicator kind of how games are going. Um, Shrewd have actually got the lowest expected points per game in the league at just 0.95 and have currently picked up seven more points than their expected total. So they are out, out shooting kind of where they should where, where they should be. Now, obviously, some of that will be down to having been ahead in games and, you know, therefore teams racking up more shots. But it gives us a general picture of a team that I think are running incredibly hot in terms of luck. Um, Like you said, picking up 27 points, having scored just 13 goals is just an incredible quirk in the table. Of their eight wins, every single one has been by a solitary goal. Um, they've only beaten one side above them in the table. And I just think that variance will turn a little bit in the second half of the season. Um, I think they'll find themselves on the lower reach of the table. I, I think I, I'd add that I think there are enough teams that are poor enough. I'm not saying they're going to go down, um, but I do think their current position is a lot higher than where I expect them to finish. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so we've got some agreement there. So I think Shrewsbury are taking that award, but an honourable mention for Port Vale in two. Um, Let's go to some some positivity for the third award, shall we? The next one is recognising those players you've seen this season who have torn your side apart. Uh, And so I'd like your nominations for the player you'd most like your team to sign in the January window. Now, I don't think that any of our sides are exactly heavy financial hitters. Um, So I'll allow you to dream a bit here. Uh, Money is no object. Who are we having? 
Um, I would have Alfie May um, just because he can create a goal out of nothing. He's one of the best finishers in the league. Is relatively nippy, agile, and he would perfectly suit a Wellens type striker. Compress, um, little fox in the box, would get on the end of crosses because he actually runs across the six yard box. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think he's one, if not the best number nine in the league, along with Colby Bishop. Have you, have you, have you, play, have you played um, Charlton yet? Yeah, first game of the season, we lost 1 0. Ah, that's right. Did he play? He did play, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah, think he like, scored, but no, he didn't. Just had that look, but um, yeah, yeah, like, well, I don't think you'll have many people that will disagree with you on having Alfie May in your side. I mean, Chris, would you have him back? Yeah, can I can my vote <laughs> just be Alfie? Please come back, please come back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to say other than just beg Alfie May to come back. Can we just can that be the maybe, title of a podcast as well? <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll be one. One of those players who, when he's like 38, 39, and you're like, I don't know, at League Two side or something like that, that he comes back for a, a final sort of flurry. We'll be a National League side by the time he's 38. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think you've been here when I've said it, but I have said it a couple of times. Um, he does still have communication with the club a lot. He's been in the stands at games recently uh, when he's not been playing. When... We had Wimbledon in the cup and they had Cray Valley on the Sunday. He was in the stands for Wimbledon. I mean, I'm sure back to Cheltenham confirmed. I'm sure looking at the score lines, he'd have just that's for one streaker. No steward would have stopped just Alfie May running onto the pitch and scoring four and no one stopping it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Okay, well, you can't, and like we we know you're going to say Alfie May, but is there anyone else you'd have back? Um, in terms of having back, I can't think of anyone who's left. Maybe Raglan felt like a big loss at the end of last season. Uh, I know he was getting on a bit, but he was that experienced link in our side who sort of held the glue together a bit, really. And I think people talk about Alfie being a big miss, but I don't think anyone notices the effect that Raglan leaving has had on the side either. Okay, interesting. Who are you having in this transfer window then? I think I've got to go just to be different than Sam with Colby Bishop because I know Sam said Alfie's up there with Colby, but obviously Alfie's getting on a bit and Colby Bishop is still got years ahead of him. So, yeah, for me, Colby Bishop, he's got such a bright future ahead of him and I think Portsmouth will struggle to hold on to him, whether they get promoted or not. Can't believe you've gone for a striker when you score so many goals. I know we're the best. We're Portsmouth better watch out for us, so they better not sell us Colby Bishop because uh... <laughs> okay. I don't know what was more ridiculous about that statement. <laughs> well, like I said, we're, we're allowed to dream in this segment. It's fine. Um, okay, well for me it would be uh, Greg Lee from Oxford. Um, he was absolutely outstanding uh when Oxford beat us 3-1 earlier in the season he just looked an absolute level above league one um he's defensively solid um and in that wing back role I just think he's a huge threat going forward as his five goals in nine starts are testament to um I know he's been out of an injury since international duty with Jamaica I'm not sure entirely when he's expected back fit um but at Stevenage we are in this sort of weird luxury position of not actually wanting for much in terms of a squad it kind of feels like a, it's, it's almost there um left back is probably the one area that most fans would agree we could strengthen um as good as dan butler has been um he can be got out defensively and he does lack a bit of competition for his starting place and so why not add the best left back in the league to the team to do that um i'll, I'll keep dreaming i guess um have either, either of you seen the this season uh no he didn't play it against us i don't believe and if he did he was very quiet but you just need to watch clips of him like i saw him a bit when he was at ipswich and you could tell there's a, there's a top player for this sort of level in there already um, it's just a shame that ipswich went and got leaf davis who has got like 30 assists in one and a half years or whatever it is so it's gonna be a, the impossible job to get into that team for him yeah absolutely is which is lost in oxford's gain unfortunately well mm. 
final award is one that looked to be sewn up as early as the end of September, but a resurgence from a certain Mr. Clark has, I think, made this one interesting. Chris might have different views. Um, the category is quite simply the worst team in the league, the team you expect to finish 24th, propping up the rest at the end of the season. Chris, I am going to come to you first, as I feel like, well, you should be, if not, uh, a bit more optimistic these days. No, it's us. <laughs> Reddit have had a points deduction and we've still managed to go lower in the table than them so i know they beat us but there doesn't seem much hope i i've I've got to the point where i've been convinced by a kidderminster fan to go to a harriers game before i'm going to cheltenham this season oh go go there the food the food there's incredible uh, yeah, I I am going to Harrier's older shot in January. Lovely, you get to see Josh Stokes as well, and he's really he's very good. Actually, watch a, a creative player for a change. <laughs> right, Chris, I absolutely I'm going to put my name right down now. I want to host the episode after Cheltenham play that run of four games, and when you are sat twenty first or higher, having taken nine points at least from the four. I want to be sat here with you saying how much you love Mr. Clark and how sorry you are forever doubting him. It's not that I doubt him. I think he's a brilliant manager. I just, I just think it's too much of a job for most managers to take on. The squad needs a creative player. The goals have started coming. I think Will Goodwin's on five now. Um, so the goals have started coming, but there's no creativity to allow him. Tom Tom Pett's come into the side and that has helped boost as well a bit. But I think the one key area to strengthen in January would be to add a creative player to the squad. And with our budget, the only way to do that is going to be a loan. Oh, you just spent it all on Colby Bishop, so no room for that, I'm afraid. <laughs> We've sold the stadium to buy Colby Bishop, most likely. <laughs> Three times, I might add. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh dear Sam who's bottom for you uh, I'm going to go with Fleetwood um, just purely because they can't score goals I, I reckon Jack Marriott might go in January personally I just don't think he's a, the type of player to want to be fighting at the bottom of League 1 I think he'd rather either be fighting at the top of League 2 or in the middle of League 1 so I think Jack Marriott goes they'll then have no money to replace Jack Marriott's goals because as we've mentioned, their owner is in jail and he can't give the club to his, I don't know who he tried he to give the, uh, to another family member and the FA blocked it and they concede a shed load of goals. Um, I, I don't think Lee Johnson's a bad manager, but I don't think many managers would actually get much out of this Fleetwood team, to be honest. I just, uh, it's quite funny because they actually beat us one of their only four wins but I just can't see any sort of excitement in that Fleetwood team or anyone that go, you can think, right, you can drag me out of danger. You can do this. I just I just can't see anything positive in Fleetwood. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I can't, well, can't find myself disagreeing with you much on there. I think the run there on the moment, I think they've done, is it five games they've lost in a row without scoring? And I yeah, they've say not that, scored in six and a half games in all yeah. comps. And I want to say that of those five games, I'm sure they've played... Cambridge, Northampton, and other sides that are down there and been absolutely smashed by all of them. So, yeah, yeah they've played not... Northampton, Derby, Peterborough as their last three. And then before that, they played Cambridge and got walloped 4 0 in the cup. Uh, they lost 3 0 to Wigan and they lost 3 0 to Stevenage. If yeah, only there was someone in League One who'd had a worse run of not scoring goals. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, oh, in the, so in the past, that now you've got Clark, now you're okay. <laughs> I'm not sure when I became Daryl Clark's agent, by the way. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I backed Stephen. What was it? I backed, was it four weeks ago? I backed Cheltenham to actually stay up. Look at that. So, yeah, so we're, we're all the positive ones here, and the Cheltenham fan here is very, very negative. Chris, if I was to ask you to price up for me right now, odds on Cheltenham staying up, what would you give Sam? More than Leicester. More than Leicester winning <laughs> the Premier League. Um, I, I couldn't even name a number right now. Okay, well, I'll, 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 I'll take I'll take any stake at those odds. Um, obviously, please gamble responsibly. Uh, but <laughs> um, Sam, what else did you get out of interest? 
Uh, I actually haven't looked, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I suspect they'll be around the 25 to 30s, I would imagine. So you know, they're, they're about they're about four points from 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 safety, aren't they? Uh, they are. Oh, maths six. Six. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, honestly, I, that that is that is doable. That's more than doable for me. But I don't I, I don't watch Charlton every week, so you know my optimism is very much from an outsider's perspective. Um, bottom for me is a toss up between Reading and Carlisle. Um, I'm going to take financial issues out of the equation and just go for purely footballing reasons. Um, and so for that, for me, I'm going to go for the Cumbrians. Um, I just don't think this squad is very good. Um, I look through the players, and I think if every single one of them was on a transfer list in January, how many of them stay in League One? Like, obviously, I mean, Moxon would have interest, but beyond that, I'm kind of genuinely struggling to make a case for many. I think possibly Jordan Gibson's got some creativity to offer. Jack Armour's half-decent from fullback and, and is young. But I just say, so I look at it, and I think, kind of, where's the quality? Um, and they just feel like a club that they weren't ready for promotion. And there's no shame in that in the situation they were in. It was an incredible achievement to, to get promoted. Um, you know, pro- probably wasn't spoken in the same breath as kind of steamage going on, but absolutely was as big a jump um, as Evans made with us. Um, but that squad needs some serious investment. Um, Chris, you mentioned already, they, they picked up Luke Armstrong today and, and he will add um, much needed goals. But they've only scored six goals away from play all season. So I just, even if you put a striker in there, I just don't know what the, where the creativity comes from to create chances for him by his teammates. Um, they've won three games all season. Two of those were against poor sides in Shrewsbury and Burton. They had that eye-catching win at Bolton. But aside from that, I just don't see much to tell me that they're going to be anything at all. Um, in and, you know, m- m- maybe getting Armstrong in early is the start of them recognising that they had mm. to invest in that squad and they bought a League Two side to, to League One. Um, yeah, for, for, for me, I, not, all, all season I've been looking at them thinking, I, I, I don't look, there's not, a, there's not a single game I look at ever and think, you'll win that. And I think that, that's like when a side are in real trouble, you know, you always look, you look at every game thinking, oh, that's tough. All oh, that's tough. If they had Fleetwood away tomorrow, I think that's tough for them. I can tell you a game they're winning this weekend. <laughs> Chris, I don't think they will. I honestly I just, don't. <laughs> I really don't think I'm qualified to speak on teams that are just playing poor, like not scored in 11 games. And every week I come on the pods and I get asked to talk about promotion teams. It's almost like we just have to remind the Cheltenham fans that there is a top half of a table. Chris, <laughs> it's just Red- so far out of sight that I forgot it exists. Chris, Reading beat them 5-1 a few games ago. Yeah, Reading like, beat us too, so... <laughs> yeah, right, but they didn't, beat you, they didn't slap you 5-1. Like, uh, like I've spoken about Cheltenham's run over Christmas. We've got uh, Carlisle, have obviously got Cheltenham this weekend. They've got Fleetwood. Wigan, Port Vale and Exeter. So it's a really big oh, wow. little Christmas spell for Carlisle as well. Um, well, absolutely. We will know a lot. But the question we've just asked then, there'll be a whole lot more info on that after Chris's phone there. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, what, yeah. probably one of Shelton or Carlisle, if they haven't put together some sort of run in those games, then it's probably safe to say they're not going to. Mm. Okay, well, I, I, I guess I've asked you about the bottom of the table. It'd be rude. I feel like it's a bit of a foregone conclusion right now as the table stands, but we know what Sheffield Wednesday did last season. Um, who do we have, gents, as the champions? I'm going to go in first, as I think I've said a lot about them on the pod. I think Peterborough will overturn Portsmouth. I, 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 I'm probably putting a lot of stock in here and based on just watching the sides against Steve, which possibly isn't the greatest thing to do. Um, but... I think Portsmouth are just a little bit more ordinary. And I don't mean that in in a derogatory way in in any sense. I think they're very solid in every position. Um, I think they've absolutely got a squad that will get promoted. I think if you were to match them up player for player, particularly going forwards, I think Peterborough, I think most of their front four getting... Uh, get get in the side, probably the the exception of Ricky J. Jones for for Bishop. But I think particularly wide and in central midfield, I just think they've got better options going forward. Um, And I think that when you start to have um, 
a bit of a fixture pile up in, in into sort of February, March, April time. I don't know. I just think that he, that as you mentioned earlier, Peterborough will financially back Ferguson in in, in the window, and wouldn't be surprised to see Al Hamadi rock up there and suddenly you're looking at, you know, he replaces Jay Jones in that front line and they look incredible. So for me, I think they might overturn to overturn Portsmouth. I'm going to stick with Portsmouth. Possibly, mostly because it's Peterborough. They've won now appointed Darren, uh, Duncan Ferguson, apparently. Um, Um, but the other thing I find with Peterborough is sometimes it feels like they're going for some sort of record. Like, I think if Peterborough were in Portsmouth's shoes right now, it almost feels like sometimes there's a part of those intrusive thoughts in Peterborough's heads. Like, what if I ruined this? Let's do it. Let's see what happens if I ruin this. And, oh, yeah, uh, they are they are perennial bottle jobs, aren't they? Like The Tottenham of League One. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, is, is, is there a Spurs, <laughs> is there a Spurs reference somewhere here? Is that, is, does that exist for Peterborough? I, I, I think Peterborough have just created a rivalry with Spurs now. Um, obviously, no offense meant to Peterborough. We we know how football is with clubs and the sort of jokes people can have, but um, and they did do they were fantastic last season, but. Again, I I have to say last season that they were very fortunate on the final day to be in the playoffs after one of the worst refing calls I saw last season at Derby. So I think just for the fact that Peterborough, they've always got something to slip up. I'm going to stick with Portsmouth for the league. Tell you what, it could be it could be a serious run in with two teams that just do not like getting promoted. That couldn't it, Pompey and Peterborough? Mm. Who could fuck it up the most? <laughs> <laughs> Little no, Stephen is I just would go, in. Yeah, I would go with Peterborough, but I'm going to be different from both of you because I, I do think Peterborough will win the league. But if I was to give an outside chance, <laughs> flip the league upside down, I, I'm going to say Derby, just purely because they've got experienced players and I think experience matters especially when you get past the Christmas period and it gets to crunch time experience I think and a level-headed sort of player starts to like Connor you've got Connor Hurahan in your midfield for crying out loud there is no chance that you are not at least going to be in the top six you've got quality going forward you've got three or four really strong centre-backs the only qualm I have with Derby and it's going to sound really weird because then they've got the second best defence this season, is their goalkeeper. I don't think Wildsmith is good enough um, if they do break through the Derby defence. Um, he was shit against us, really, by the way. Really, really poor. Yeah, he was right. shit against us as well. They uh, Literally, we had a goal disallowed against Derby from a free kick that wasn't offside. And he's just come out and done like this Superman jump and just missed the ball completely. Um, so if I said outside chance because of their firepower outfield, I would say Derby if they recruited a goalkeeper, just to be different. So I, I, I'm i also quite worried about Derby at the moment. I feel like they, they, similarly to how I felt about Peter about a month ago, I feel like they've kind of flown under the radar about putting together a bit of a run. And I also mm. feel like Paul Warren sides, once they click and start to get, yeah, they get into a rhythm, don't they? And I can see that happening. Um, I, I also think they will be there or thereabouts. Um, my concern for them, I don't think they've got a proper goal scorer, um, which seems weird to say when you've got players like James Collins, uh, Martin Michael, who have obviously gone and done it, mm. but they're not, they're not, they're not like put it this way, they're, they're players that if they line up against Stevenage, I'm not worried about them. Um, in the same, not in the same way at all that I'd be worried about an Alfie May or Carly Bishop or, you know, I just, I think they'll think that that, that, could be a stumbling block for them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. That I think they'll be up there. The thing is with Derby as well is they've got a lot of players that people hold interest in, like Max Bird and like Aaron Cashin. The, uh, the thing is with Ka- Cashin has to go in January. Excuse the pun, but Derby needs to cash in. Um, because I think his contract's nearly up with them, isn't it? Oh, I can find that out. Um, and they have, I think he's what? up next summer. 
What so I will not... say about Cashin, he is the slowest moving person I've ever watched play a football match. We put the ball down the channel behind him, and I've never seen someone move so slowly in all of my life. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was like a London bus trying to move. Sam, I keep mentioning this expected points table. Where yeah. do you reckon Derby are on expected points per game in the league? Uh, I'll go third. Yeah, they are third, third behind Peterborough and Portsmouth. And that is only one point difference to what they've actually currently got. So they're kind of going about where they should be. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to have a strong second half of the season. If if anyone comes close to what we say Peterborough do, it's Derby. Yeah. Uh, Cashin's um, contract, end of the season. Yeah, so he's 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 probably well. There's no probably about it. He's with the interest in him. He's a massive player to lose, and I think the other thing is as well. If a Premier League team were to sign him, like Brighton, they could probably get a loan back for him anyway mm-hmm. for the remainder of the season. Okay, well, having looked at the best and the worst of the league so far, that is going to do us for this week um, as we head into the action-packed Christmas fixture chaos. Um, Do drop us a comment with your nomination for those four Halfter Awards and we'll get working on some trophies for our winners or losers, however you look at it. Um, Over the next few weeks, there'll be plenty of EFL action. Um, We've got a festive breakdown show on Thursday and then between Christmas, there'll be another breakdown um, and those will be the last proper League by League pods until the new year uh, and we come at you for 2024. Um, As always, make sure you give us a follow on X by searching at LookSports.com media and we'd be eternally grateful if you could give us a review on your podcast platform of choice to help us get more league one listeners contributing to the discussion we hope you've had a wonder we hope you have sorry a wonderful christmas filled with lots of food far too much to drink and of course plenty of footballing debate for now though it's goodbye from us and we'll see you next time hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 